shed the days like skin Pray for evenings in Hold their hands in the street When you walk them off to school A box too full to shut Cardboard paper cut The bleeding edge of a picture Of your parents when they were cool Welcome to Edu Matters, where education matters. Brought to you by Element OP Productions. ElementOP.com. And now, here are your hosts, Christy Vincent and Brian Brueger. Welcome to the Edu Matters Podcast, Episode 7 The Parent Trigger for August 28, 2012. I am your host, Christy Vincent. Tonight, we are joined by my co-host, Brian Brueger, the Element Opie producer transplant to Atlanta somewhere, Mark Cockrell. And our special guest this week is just getting back into the hang of things and going back to school. So, welcome school. Are you guys in school? No, I'm actually at home at the moment, but I may go back to school after we're done recording. (laughs) I can't say nice. that I missed Has that. school started in Florida? <laughs> um, yes, school started in the uh, public school system um, yesterday down here. And our students at our school come back tomorrow. Oh, wow. So Texas passed a law a couple of years ago. We don't go back until the fourth Monday of August for public schools at the earliest. Our teachers came back today. And wow. our kids come back this coming Monday. Mm-hmm. And See, Mark would know kids, that, but he doesn't our, join in that anymore. He laughs. <laughs> I do know that because I still know people who teach. But I can. It's interesting that uh, you know I'm not preparing for anything. I'm not uh, uh, putting in the twenty hour days. It's uh, uh, you know it's kind of nice to just sit back and and watch other people. Of course, when you're off uh, for two weeks at Christmas and spring break, and I'm not, I won't feel the same way. Yeah. Yeah, because they're going to be. But for right now, we don't want to hear from you, Mark. Yeah. Because <laughs> not at all. I, I, I'm going to give all of that up now, or I have given all that up now. I get uh, like one day at Christmas, one day at Thanksgiving, and that's pretty much it. Wow. So you not only left the great state of Texas, you left education. I did. I did. I lost. Uh, or left uh, the only real job I'd ever had, left my entire career, and started all over again. It was either courageous or stupid, and I guess time will tell which. (laughs) To be determined. So over summer break for the Edgy Matters podcast, you moved, I moved. I'm in in my new little tiny hole in the great big woods. I feel like Laura Ingalls out here. And I'm pretty sure that if one more squirrel runs by, I'm going to lose his internet connection. Brian, what changed in your life over some... What did you do, Mr. Brueger, over summer break? Um, Because I am in education, and like Mark was a only tech, I just basically worked all summer long. (laughs) And had the teachers... I love when the teachers come back and they say, what did you do all summer? I, I worked. Actually, I worked my butt off so that you could be using that machine right there, actually. Yes. If a teacher happens to listen to this podcast, I beg of you, don't come back the first week in July and then ask me why your stuff doesn't work. It doesn't work because you don't belong there. (laughs) Go home. (laughs) 
I could see this going downhill really quickly, so I'm going to jump in. Christy, you were uh, awarded uh, an, uh, uh, something uh, just right after school. You were nominated as what one of the top 20 teachers to follow on Twitter or something like that? That was this summer. Wow, that seems like years ago. <laughs> yeah, so sometime over this summer in between moving and conferences and 20-hour days and my boss left and yeah, it's been a great summer. Somewhere in that mix, um, I was actually out at a conference and someone said, hey, did you know about this? And I went, no, about what? You were nominated. You were on this great list of education Twitters to follow. And I said, no, I had no idea. That's That's awesome and amazing and a great honor and all that. And it was and it is and the people who follow on Twitter is, has shot up and that's been great. I've made some wonderful connections. Our guests line up for the next couple of weeks. We have a a wider net, I guess, to cast for, for people coming on the show. We have a couple of Canadians on their way in, which is really nice. When we were scheduling these, I, I learned that Canada is big. <laughs> I guess I knew it was always big. I just thought everyone lived in Quebec and Montreal. It's a whole country. And I was. Yeah. <laughs> See, what do you mean you learned it was big? Do you think it was Rhode Island? No. I mean, you have no. seen a map, right? It's that big mass right up there, the same yes, width as the U.S. I taught social studies. But significantly I just taller. It was all frozen. No, I just thought it was all just, frozen. Just like, to the east of Alaska. Find Alaska, go okay. east. <laughs> well, I also found out that they have seasons in Alaska, and I didn't know that either. <laughs> I thought it was just cold, but apparently you can grow things and like have a garden there. And, and that's what makes that. you one of the top 20 teachers to follow on Twitter. <laughs> I was right just going to say, can we revisit the previous story? Because <laughs> I'm not sure how this is all working. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I, I do find it interesting do. that I, I was unaware of said award. But I did notice an increase in the amount of Twittering over the summer. Yes. And I was wondering if it meant that she just had that much time on her hand. Or now I'm beginning to realize that it was because you felt obligated to live up to the award. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. Yeah. So it, I, I want to clarify, it wasn't teachers in general. It was specifically education technology and teaching. So just to, just to clarify. Okay. And I am smart. I my blonde just shows through, guys. Remember the Florida comment and Flow Rider? Okay, I'm still still hearing about that one. Inevitably, that's the one our guests find is that particular one. I guess because it says male kindergarten. So our upcoming guest inevitably send me an email within a couple of days of me booking them, and they go, "Oh, you didn't really? <laughs> yeah, I, I did actually." But here nor there, so with change, lots of change, we're going to move on to something beyond my IQ. With change comes choice. So this is a great show to kick us off. We've all made some choices, and, and Mark, we're going to hang out with you while we see how your choice works out. <laughs> but there was an interesting thing that happened this past Friday in California that's really kind of buzzing across education, not just technology, not just elementary, but really across the board. All the way up to policymaking, there's this event that happened in California called Teachers Rock. Early in the week last week, there was a lot of excitement about it on Twitter and on Google Plus and apparently Facebook. I'm not normally there, but for those that are, that was the place that this was happening. 
And we were very excited at the idea of society as a whole recognizing teachers for the amazing people they are. By the end of the week, as the show or concert as it was got closer, apparently this was sponsored by many of the same corporations that were behind the movie Waiting on Superman, which if you if you never saw was a film, a documentary, if you will, about charter schools and their effect on, on education. And a lot of teachers took issue with some of the statements and sentiments that resounded from that. And it's happening again with Teachers Rock. So the idea is that there's a movie coming out here shortly. I'm trying to think of the name of that movie. Um, coming something. I don't know. It'll come to me in a minute. Coming but at any America? rate, it's the idea. No, <laughs> no, but I do love, love that movie. I do love that movie. No, um, the idea is that parents can come in and, and run a school. And we're getting down to what society believes and whose role is what. So the parent trigger is parents come in and they sign a petition that, you know, we need to take over our school. Our school is just not helping our children succeed. And that this can happen, and it has. It's been done twice. Both times were done in Southern California. But media coverage and a frenzy being what it is, I think it may have been taken out of line. So tonight, the three of us, all being parents, are going to walk a very interesting line without pushing away too many of our listeners about the difference in the choice that we make with public school, private school, and charters. So real quick, Brian, 30 seconds. Which of those three do you have experience and, and homeschooling of those four? Do you have experience with? Yes, I actually have experience in, in, in all four. Um, I've seen, I've been a part of teaching in public schools, um, high schools and middle schools in Florida. I've been a part of a, charter school company. I actually work technology at a charter school company um, where we managed 37 schools over five states at the time that I was there. So that was an interesting perspective. And um, I currently work at a private school and my wife homeschools. So I've got one appendage in each pot <laughs> so i, I find that interesting in the show notes and say that you're the guest <laughs> <laughs> i find that interesting that between the two of you 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 have the opportunity to send your kids to two different schools one private and one um uh what'd you say charter uh was your wife works at a charter i'm sorry what from now on when you talk one of us needs to be listening uh, <laughs> uh, and yet you still choose to to homeschool so uh, I, the, uh, I hope we'll get to that as the the show goes on yeah, we can. I'll answer that question if we really want to go down the road, that road. But um, yeah, I've got experience in each one, and I would say with that, you know, I have good and bad in each one. But um, I would also say that each one may or may not be for a specific family. Um, you know, there are advantages and disadvantages, and some of those advantages or disadvantages fit particular families um, in in a particular way. So, Okay. 
And Mark, Mark, what's your experience and what is your choice for your family? Well, obviously, I worked in a public school for 15 years. My wife was a public school teacher for 20 years. Uh, we have sent our kids to public school um, <laughs> because we couldn't afford any other option. But, you know, I think even if we'd had the means, we probably uh, would still choose public school. I'm a believer in and a fan of public schools. I know there aren't a lot of us out there left anymore. <laughs> but I I think that uh, public schooling uh, is one of, if not the uh, best decision our country ever made uh, in saying that we will commit to an educated populace and not only make it available, but make it a requirement. Uh, so I'm a big believer in public schools. I, I have friends and family, close family, who uh, have chosen to homeschool. Uh, and I, I grew up with friends and, and have friends now who uh, send their kids to private school. So I don't have any personal experience with private school, but I have a very close uh, secondhand knowledge of it. Okay, so for me, um, I, I work in a public school. Previously worked in an organization that was kind of a, a central agency for public schools. Before that, I worked in a private school, and before that, a public school. So I'm a kind of across the board. Our kids currently attend a private uh, public school, the school that um, school district I worked for. But we are exploring charter and private for our children also. And then you get this neat little inbreed that is a online charter school that's offered in a number of states. And Brian being from Florida, of course, you've got the Florida virtual school and the Texas virtual school. And that's a whole other mix to the ballgame. So someone on Twitter remarked to me a couple of months ago before this all came into place that it wasn't directed at me, but we ended up discussing it. Teachers or personnel who work in a public school, should they be a model for the local community and also be willing to send their children to that school that they work in? Definitely food for thought. And it started a discussion about what happens when talented individuals teaching technology, coaching, whatever, administration, go into these, shall we say, less than desirable schools or school districts? Do we charge them harshly if they don't also bring along their own children? Is it like saying, okay, so what, where, you're, where you work isn't good enough for your own kids? Is that the, the message we're sending? And how do we feel about that? And... It really, it really caused me to stop and think. Are we really saying we're so ready to change and make positive impact, but it's just not good enough for my own kids? I mean, that, that's a really hard place to be. And I think that society as a whole, looking at this from a, a high view, a bird's eye view, if you will, that we tend to be quick to criticize a teacher without ever having walked in their shoes and seeing what they deal with. I had a very long discussion with my own mother about this very thing because she doesn't understand why I work in a public school and I would be looking at other options for my children. A typical public school teacher has a lot on their plate to face and deal with beyond just teaching, which in and of itself is a gift, a calling, and an art. The idea that they will sit with 30 children who may or may not come from the same cultural background, understanding, or societal norms of their own, reach out to each one of them individually, and yet have them pass a state standardized test that has nothing to do with what will actually be applicable in the real world. 
while also working with individual learning plans and different forms of disability and obstacles, in addition to feeding, clothing, making sure they're there, it's quite the task. So that's a public school life. And it's, it's rough. And I'll be the first to admit that I left. I left the classroom because I couldn't deal. I couldn't be what the teachers are today, and I applaud them every day for that. When I worked in the private school, oh, it was a whole other ballgame. We had parents knocking down the door. They met us with cookies and pancakes and homemade kolaches, and they couldn't wait to help us every single day. And if the child gave us problems, we said, toodaloo, you were no longer welcome here. And, of course, you can't do that in a public school. So how does that change what we're putting on our teachers? How does that change how society views them? And how does that change what us parents decide, decide to do with our own children? All right, guys. I've rambled. You're up. All right. If you're going to throw in the personal children part, I tend to... As opposed to, to the impersonal children. Let's leave them out. Yeah, well, you know, the, the children that, you know, I may or may not have fathered that are not my own. <laughs> no, you know, when it comes to making that decision for for our family and, you know, for our children, we're making the decision based on what we feel is best for them. Um, when you're choosing which type of a school to work in, while it could be influenced by, you know, the one that you feel the most passionate about, quite frankly, it's probably the one that you had the opportunity at and or the one that gave you the better um, compensation package for doing so. Meaning, if your only opportunity was in a public school, you probably became a public school teacher. If all of the, you know, the public, the charter, the, the private school and everything, all of those options were on the table, um, which one would you have chosen would probably be involved in, you know, your distance from the school and a little bit of your philosophy of education and, and which one you felt was best. But ultimately, it's going to come down more to your opportunity, not necessarily the opportunity of your children. When it comes for me, you know, time because um, we're homeschooling our children, um, that was more about um, offering them an opportunity that we felt that was important to them. Um, it wasn't necessarily to make it so that they avoided certain um, children or avoided um, groups of people or things like that. It was more about the opportunity um, for my wife and I, when I'm here and available to be able to educate them. My wife happens to be a certified teacher. And so, you know, she has the experience she's taught in, in public schools and, and things like that. And, um, we did feel like our public schools were failing in terms of the academics and where the emphasis was being placed, um, largely due to the standardized testings and things like that. Um, and so we decided to take the opportunity to capitalize on skills that we had in-house, if you will, and um, approach the, the homeschooling method. 
and it's been very, very successful. Um, not necessarily the thing for all, for all teachers or for all families, um, but it's been very successful for us. And, you know, if you want details on that, I think it, it's worth sparing them um, for the podcast. But if somebody's really interested in that decision making process or whatever, um, feel free to contact me and I, I'd love to elaborate. I think but, one of the, if I could jump in here, one of the fallacies that we need to dispel in this whole argument is that sending your kids to a, another school, be it public or private or charter, does not stop you oh. from being required to homeschool. Most of the schooling happens at home, regardless of the institution to which you send your kids. And I think the... Um, the negative connotations that public school have right now is because the large majority of the people who send their kids there think they don't have to be teachers because they send their kids to school. And that's just wrong. So, so I, I, see, I see two two pieces of what you're saying, Mark, and I have questions for you, Brian. You're not off the hook by any stretch of the imagination. But I, I feel that teachers teachers often deal with two sets of parents and of course there's a, a range in between but there is the parent that is totally removed from their child's education as long as they don't see a problem but they're very quick to criticize and and be very um, difficult for a teacher the whole time refusing to educate their child at all at home or meeting any of those requirements for what was sent home because that's the teacher's job and we're not doing this at home and there's usually many expletives and other unsavory behavior included with that. And then on the exact flip side of that is the over-involved parent, the helicopter parent, if you will, that is quick to tell a teacher exactly how to do his or her job when you know they don't understand the way a child learns. They don't have the, the term we use, you know, the pedagogy, the pedagogical understanding of how to teach a class. And, and for the public school teacher to have to deal with both of that and sadly a large percentage of these kids they don't have that parent at home saying oh yeah Bubba you're gonna sit down and do this because I said so and because teacher said so and this is what we do with our life at this particular age and where you are right now so I think society needs to take a huge step back and say I'm educating my child at home you're educating your girls at home you know, we're all stepping up to the plate to help out, but there's a large percentage of parents that just aren't. They refuse, they don't get it, they don't care, or maybe they just can't, and they're, they don't have those resources to get it done. I, I want to jump so, on something you just said. Uh, you said that the, the person may not have the skills necessary to, to teach a class. Um, there is a vast difference, a, a, a canyon of, of difference between teaching a class and teaching a person. And, and oh, you're yeah. right. Most people, and, and sadly, a lot of them in schools, don't have the skills to teach a <laughs> class. Um, and and that's, that's a sad fact. We're, I think that our schools are doing a poor job of teaching teachers to teach a class. Um, we, oh, terrible job. Yeah, because the focus is all is on individualized instruction, which is great if you got six kids in the, in the room with the teacher. When you have 36 kids in the room with the teacher, you have to have an entirely different skill set. And so your helicopter parent there, I think if a teacher um, needed to have a conversation with the parent, that's the distinction they need to make. I, you, I encourage you to teach your child, but the unfortunate reality is that I have to teach a class. 
of children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's so a distinct... What I, what I want you to... Go ahead, Brian. <coughs> Sorry. That's a distinct advantage that we've discussed in the homeschooling is we get the opportunity to provide the individualized instruction without having, if you want to call it, the interference of the other 35 children. Um, yes, my wife is teaching multiple preps at the same time because we have children at different ages. So all of these things are going on at the same time. So it's not just that you're doing one student, you know, all the, you know, constantly throughout the day. Um, unless of course you only have one child, but, um, you're still afforded more of an opportunity to provide the individualized instruction and also the flexibility that comes with such a small class size to be able to um, do all of those activities that as a teacher you may go, oh, this would be so fun, but how do I do this with, you know, my class of 25 or my class of 35 or, you know, whatever your class size may be. Um, you know, there are limitations you know, when I taught physics and we're, you know, what are we going to do for lab? Well, that'd be a great lab, but I have no idea how to make that happen with, you know, my 30 students in the classroom and those and, opportunities. And not, just 30, not 30 similar students, 30 sure. vastly different, different students, <laughs> major different abilities, backgrounds, capabilities, sure. understandings, different speeds. We've got, you know, we've, we've quote unquote mainstream. You hear the term mainstream. Well, what does that mean? We have kids that traditionally would have been in a different environment or group differently to where the average teacher has a, a children with maybe three or four of them have severe um, emotional disabilities or emotional obstacles that they're dealing with on a regular basis. You might have a low vision, a low hearing, a child on the spectrum for autism, a child with Asperger's, all in one class. In addition to your range of children that aren't faced with those disabilities, this is quite the balancing act for a teacher. Sure. And when we talk so, about individualizing, what I want you guys stewing on in the back of your mind is we individualize for a standardized test. Now, just just think about that one. <laughs> Anybody else see the problem? Yeah. Well, yeah. let's not make it a discussion about standardized testing and the value in that. Oh, We've no. had those conversations before. And, and if you'd ago. like details, contact Christy. I'm sure she would love to give <laughs> you. To <laughs> so, but I do want to say, you know, moving away from the homeschool topic, um, how does then a public school differ from a charter school and the opportunities there or shortcomings there? And then also differ from a private school and, you know, the shortcomings or advantages of those. So a couple of months back, Mark and I were at a conference here, here in the Austin area. And we did, we did this great thing where, you know, we, it was love it or hate it. And it was termed a little differently, but it was this great idea of we would say a topic. And if you love the topic or you agree with the topic, you went, sorry, you went to one side are we still there yeah kind of maybe Woo went to one side of the room and if you felt the opposite way you went to the other side of the room and then in the middle and somebody from each group spoke up it was great it was, it was lovely to do and of course standardized testing came up not that we're staying here and one of my dear 
dear friends is over on the side of the room that he loves standardized testing. And I'm over on the other side of the room and I'm contemplating this and I'm thinking, what is wrong with him? Like, I'm like, my whole friendship with him is flashing through my mind going, <laughs> what in the world? Well, he works at a private school, a, a Catholic private school. And he said, well, yeah, we love standardized testing because it just sends the kids on over. And that's your huge difference usually between private and, and public or charter is they they don't have to meet the mandates of the feds in the state. And they usually, you know, don't partake in the standardized testing. So that that's your huge difference. And then they are also free to, to do, um, is it parochial? Is that the word I'm looking for? That they can have a, a whole religious aspect. And, and there's your private school. They get to pretty much do what they want. Your public school and charter has been something that's certainly been on my mind. My, my boss was in his position for 10 years in a public school and recently left and went to a charter school. And I'm going, okay, we, we need to talk because I don't, I don't understand the exact difference in a charter and a public school. And I think a lot of other people don't either. And we have teachers that go back and forth. So it's like, hmm, what's the difference here? So public school is just that. It's public school created hundreds of years ago by our great forefathers. The idea being that education is free at the point of delivery and a funding comes from your fed state and a large tax base. Charters are very similar, but they do not have the attendance districts, those lines that you have to live in the attendance zone, and they don't have that tax base for funding. They still meet the exact same requirements for standardized testing and that type of thing. But what ends up happening in 90% of your charter schools, especially if they're good, is their enrollment is maxed out. And now comes the political piece that a lot of public school teachers have the problem with. So what you're telling me is that charter schools can pick and choose who they have in their school. Well, no, not exactly. That's not how the way it's supposed to work. All right. You had your hand raised, Brian. <laughs> you're up. The, the most concise way to sum up a charter school is it is a public school that is managed by a private company but paid for with public funds so the so the the value if you will the monetary value that each student represents in terms of tax dollars and things like that so when you know if you have 10 students that attend your school you get you know x number of dollars for each student and your total income to that school would be x times 10 and the same exact thing happens if one of those students leaves the public school and goes to a charter school. Now that charter school is getting a um, not going to be the full value of of X, but it's going to be X minus, you know, a little bit of that fund that that stays with the um, traditional public school, but it's managed privately. In my experience with a charter school companies or the charter school company that I was a part of and also charter schools down here in, in South Florida area is a charter school is a hundred percent. The value of that charter school is a hundred percent dependent on the management company down here in South Florida charter schools um, from one to the next can be night and day difference in terms of um the quality of education that you're getting and they also seem to pop up fast 
and they also seem to close quickly. Um, you know, based on but you know the, the value they're offering. This, but the same thing can be argued of public education. Your quality of education is going to be highly dependent on your administration and your school board and their strengths and weaknesses and <clears throat> how how they came to be. Generally yes. dependent on the community. Yes, the community and the um, you know district to district it depends on you know down here our county is an entire district, and so you know saying it differs district to district is a little unfair because the district down here, Palm Beach County, is one of the largest school districts in the nation, um, and you have everything from a very affluent school um, that may be doing really well to you know a few miles away. There is a not um, affluent school, and they may be struggling, you know, for whatever their reasons are. Um, and so I would say down here, it's public school is definitely the um, based on the area or the the group of students that are attending that school. But it's also um, dependent that school's um, quality is you know, dependent on the leadership in the school. I think in a charter school, because there's all of the management pieces to it, um, if they have a poor management and, you know, company backing, if you will, then it's very difficult for the administration and everything like that to, you know, get the resources that they need and everything because they don't have um, a larger district to pull from. So I think in a charter school company, the actual owners, if you will, um, seem to have a greater, um, more tangible effect on what's happening in the classroom than perhaps it, what it would be in a large public school um, district. I don't know that I agree because... I would argue that the community is your quote-unquote backers in a public school. The difference being that the power, of course, is much more concentrated in a charter school because there's fewer people digging in the pot. But if sure. you go into a community that is not going to support the school district one way or the other, they're not going to pass bonds, they're not going to be there to help with their kids, they're, you know, they're going to encourage hateful, difficult behavior in the wide-open community, you've still got a problem. So I, I would equate the community as a whole to the the backers, the community in a public school to the backers in a charter school. Would you agree? Um, no, because in a charter school, okay. you could still say you have the community of the whole. The community is more of those people who come in daily contact with that school. Um. You know, it could be your parents and things like that. And typically, if a parent has made a decision to pull out of the traditional public school, they're already, you know, just by the nature that they're making that decision, they're already a more involved parent. And so I would venture to say that your your parents make up a significant portion of, um, of the term community, if you will. And so in just by its very nature of it not being the traditional you know public school a charter school community is going to have a more highly involved um community 
and I'm thinking specifically a highly, more highly involved parent body. And we all know that whether they're helicopter parents or not, a more involved parent body relates directly to a higher performing school. So then when we see movements like the teacher's rock and the waiting for Superman and that type of communication, would you say that it's fair to compare straight across the board, public school and charter school? Um, no, I, I'm kind of torn because on, on one way, we're going to have to say um, the dollars are coming from the same place. And so if you're going to think of it in terms of a financial investment, then yes, we do need to compare that because if the dollars are coming from the same place, we need to decide which place are the dollars being more effectively utilized. That being said, we can't say to the, um, you know, we can't compare them directly because not all parents, you know, are flat out as involved. Not all parents um, think that they need to, you know, to make that move or make that leap, assuming that the opportunity is even there. Um, I know the charter schools that we, I was involved with, they did have uh, number caps. And when they, they had their number caps um, so that they could restrict their class sizes and keep their class sizes at a manageable size, and so we had at each school a lottery where you took the total number in a particular grade level and, you know, how many parents or how many students do we um, have wanting to get into this grade level and how many spaces do we have. And then, you know, based on a whole number of factors, they would determine who got in and who didn't. Um, so it it's 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 t on one hand it's e easy to compare them if you want to look at it from a financial investment part but then on the other hand you have parents who either don't have the opportunity um or we have parents that for lack of better terms um don't care to make a change right and i think that when teachers come down on themselves, those that are truly passionate about their their career and, you know, watching children succeed and grow, which passion educators, that's usually where their heart lies. I think that they're the ones that are normally tangled in this web and feel very crushed when society comes down on them so hard, especially those in the public school district, because they say, what are they doing so different? Why can't I do the same thing? But it's much of what you said. By default... Generally, charter school parents are going to be more involved. Mm -hmm. The whole lottery and numbers caps lends itself well to a quote-unquote pick-and-choose environment. And we didn't really get around to it, but the whole online virtual charter school, the public charter school, and specifically the one in Texas that does take those funds from the local school district, those operate just a little differently because they will even say if you do not pass the standardized test we can force you out and back into the public school public school doesn't get those choices they have to take every mm -hmm. child 
Mark said in the beginning, that is one of the beautiful things about our country and our public education system is that we will guarantee it. We've made it a law that every child attend. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately for many, that's come back and stabbed us in the back that they don't want to be there. They're going to make sure you know they don't want to be there. And they Mm -hmm. become a disruption to the others around them all too often. So whatever the choice is of where you work, where your passion lies, where you choose to send your own children or follow your career, I think we should all stop, take five seconds, and really view it from a large-scale view and from that up-and-close and personal view. Because where I send my children, for me, I'm their mama, and I have to answer to these kids. And that may not be the place where I work and I'm pursuing my passion because there I may be trying to make a change for a greater good. But in the meantime, as a parent, I'm entitled to the right to make that choice for my kids. And I don't think it should come down one way or the other on my career. I, I agree. I think when it comes to my children and this is just me personal opinion for whatever it's worth, you know, to those listening. Yes. I'm in education because I feel like it matters um, as a as a person. You know, I'm I'm a tech, so yes, I could go work technology at a bank and help some you know CEO make lots or of extra hospital. money. Yeah. yeah, or a hospital, a healthcare system. Yeah. You know, all of these things. But I just it's don't a nonprofit s- healthcare corporation. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't see the. Um, I don't I don't see the the value in the technology the way that I do in in education. And I know Mark, you know, as much as we pick on him, I know he feels the same way. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been in education doing what he was doing, because at any time you could say, if I leave education, there's obviously more financial rewarding opportunities for you know, especially somebody in technology, obviously, you know, say, take a math teacher they can go be a CPA for a lot more money. And so they're probably doing what they're doing because there's passion involved. Um, But as a parent, yes, as a professional, I want to see change in education because I'm seeing what's working and, you know, where it's not working. But as a parent, I need to make the determination of is the change happening now or can I put my child in an environment where change has already happened or is happening more rapidly that's ultimately going to benefit them more? And so to a degree, I separate um, where I feel like I need to be in order to help the change versus where I need to put my child, meaning the change can already help them. You know, just because I taught in in an atrocious school that it was really struggling and needed to turn around um, doesn't mean that that's the greatest opportunity for my child. And for me personally, I separate those two of what is the best for my child and then, you know, what is the best opportunity for me, me to make an impact on the professional level. And I think we're entitled to and we should. And I don't think any educators should ever be made to feel differently about that because we do, do wear multiple hats. Coming sure. from technology, we understand that expression very well. We, we do wear multiple hats, and sometimes we just make decisions based on different roles. 
Well, that was a good long discussion. Are we all like, oh no, that was a little little <laughs> heavy for the first week yeah, for the first week back, guys. Everybody's gonna go quit their job now. And um and then, you know, but hey, look at it this way. If we all go quit our job at the same time, there'll be lots of opportunities to change. This is true. This is so <laughs> true. You're such the optimist. And and when when in doubt, just go to the healthcare system. Who cares? You know what I see as the primary difference <laughs> between a private school and a public school and, and to a lesser degree a charter school. And and this is where um, if you have little kids listening, send them out of the room. Uh, five, four, three, two, one. Um, an administrator at a public school is allowed to have a pair of balls. At a public school, they're not. Plain and simple. And Amen. We, and we can fix almost everything that's wrong with public schools by allowing principals to have their balls back. <laughs> that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> it, Small it's children true. may return. It, it it is it's very true it, it is true um you know if you look at, if you go back and you look at successful schools and schools that have been less successful um as much there's as much of a learning process for parents in terms of are you going to get with the program as there is for a child who's not getting with the program because oftentimes where you find that troubled child you're also finding a troubled adult behind them Okay, this is getting real deep. I'm feeling kind of Dr. Phil-ish. So um, we're going to wrap <laughs> this up, guys. I'm not going to lay down while you grab a pad and ask me how do I feel about this. Well, who is the guy? And we're going to... The the movie Stand By, uh, Stand By Me, wasn't it? No, that's not it. Stand, uh, uh, Lean On Me. That movie, the, the, the me, guy yeah. put chains on the doors to the school, not to keep kids in, but to keep the bad element out, and went to jail for it, right? Uh, where are the the people with that kind of conviction who are willing to go to jail for what's they're, right they're for the jail, kids? <laughs> they're in jail. They're in jail. <laughs> they're in jail. Or they're somewhere else starting a private. school. They're running a private school, school. exactly. Uh, starting a private school or charter school. Yeah, they are. And you can't get they in really there because the doors are. Not changed. that we don't. That's right. They're not letting us in. But we love our public school. We love our charter school. We love our home school. We love all of our teachers. And you are all going to have an amazing, amazing school year. I can feel it. If you're new to the show, we always wrap up our show with something very useful for you teachers. That's coming from me, from something that is out in Techland that comes from one of the guys. And we love them for that. And mine's kind of a crossbreed today. No matter what your thoughts are on this, get them out, get them down, and share them. Don't put it on paper. Put it on a blog. We are marching forward in blogs in our school. It's that tool that you always hear about. You're not sure if you're ready. Just jump in. Jump into a blog. We use Blogspot, Blogger, Google Tools. We're at Google School. I encourage you to find one, use it, write it, read about it, and share it. We all want to know what's going on with you. What do you guys got? I've got a um, a a cheapo, and I'm going to build off your blog, so I'm going to make this up right on the spot. If you want to blog but feel like you just don't have the time because you don't want to sit down and type and think, write out all your thoughts, record a Google Hangout. Just take your own personal Woo-hoo. Google account, record a Google Hangout. You can sit there for you know 30 seconds or 60 seconds and just record yourself talking into the camera. 
your parents are going to love it because they really feel like you've gone out of your way to invest in them and and connect with them. And really all you did is just hit, you know, record, you Google record your Google Hangout, upload it to YouTube, put it into your blog. It's a piece of cake. And you really didn't have to type much of anything. And my tip. Very good. Very good. Can, very if good. If I can throw a tip in there. Uh, if you want to Please do. Uh, uh, increase, uh, stay to, healthy. If you want to continue your knowledge uh, and and uh, expand your horizons, uh, do that by way of uh, podcasts. And I happen to know a place where you can find some really good podcasts. Element OP Productions. Oh, tell me, tell me. Dot com. Uh, entertaining, intelligent, enlightening media for passionate people. So if you're uh, if you fit any of those categories, if you're looking for uh, for tips, for ideas, or just to be entertained, because sometimes it's nice to be entertained, elementop.com is where you can find those things. You can also find our forums there, where you can feedback to us, let us know how wrong we all were about this episode tonight. <laughs> well, awesome! That's great. Mark will now be taking over the closing. Uh, <laughs> comments and everything like that i will say that um you of course can find us on twitter because that's one of the places that we just seem to exist a lot you can find christy at christy underscore vincent you can find me at Bruger, and you can find mark if you would like to tease him about the healthcare um industry um i was a Mark, I was sure you were going to say an apple a day keeps the doctor away or something like that. But can, can I can I tell a quick joke? Uh, my, my daughter, oh, great. my daughter was it. eating an apple for dessert the other night. That's how we roll at our house. Apples are dessert, and and I walked in the room and I saw it and I said to my wife, "Great, now we'll never get a doctor in here. He's going to come to the driveway and he's like, I smell apples. I'm sorry, you can just die because apples <laughs> keep doctors away. So no, don't eat apples. I'm in the healthcare business." Apples are bad. <laughs> Sorry. Have a Twinkie instead. That's right. <laughs> and all those comments can be sent to at Mark Cockrell on Twitter. What do we got for next week, Christy? So I guess that's it. Next week we have yet another. I got to go talk to Georgia. They're taking all our great people. We have another Georgia transplant. She's left the great state of Texas and headed on over there. Not with Mark. We have Jamie, and I can never say her name. She will nail me for this next week. Jamie Vander, I'm going to screw this up again. Jamie Vander Gift, and she's going to say it right next week when she's here. She's bringing you everything you need to know about digital citizenship and teaching 21st century learners. We cannot wait to have her and see if she's picked up some great Atlanta accent. Compliments of Paula Dane, y'all. Other than that, you have a great new year, and we will see you next week. It's all the same. George is purple. Wow. Good night. Good night.